Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. And joining me today is Josias. This is another pleb isode. This is a brilliant one because Josias is very new to the space, just six months in, and the rabbit hole has got him deep, deep, deep. And there's no coming back for Josias now. He comes on the show to join me today to talk about what got him there and what is keeping him there and what's driving him forward and looking into the future of how to help other people and build and add his value in his own unique way. I love these episodes, always. Thanks, man, for coming on. Before we do the show, I want to do a quick few shills, unofficial shill for at Bitcoiner Jobs. So many people looking to work in the space. Go follow them on Twitter. They will keep you up to date. This is an amazing way to find out who's looking. Now, official shills, coinfloor.co.uk, swanbitcoin.com, and relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H, forward slash bitten on all of those URLs will take you to a landing page and explain to you how you can start fiat cost averaging out of your fiat dollars or euros or whatever's into Satoshis. And once you have started doing that, you want to take control of those coins. And if you haven't taken coins off the exchanges yet that you've been using, make sure you do start Use the BitBox02 Bitcoin-only wallet. You can find that at shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoy this show with Josias. Okay, we're live. Josias, welcome to the Once Bitten podcast, man. Thank you for having me. <laughs> After me badgering a, you. <laughs> a pleasure. A pleasure. <laughs> Badgering. No, it's not. When, when people turn up in the DMs, putting their hands up to come on the show, I, I, I am always uh, very thankful for those people that come forward because it is a brave step, right? As, as you all know, we'll, we'll go through that, of course. Uh, so, I mean, that might even lead into Lauren's question. Lauren had a question. Uh, yes. So why did you want to come on the show? <laughs> when I was getting ready, I'm thinking, what, what question could Lauren ask that I could be prepared for? And I was semi-prepared for this one. Um, basically, I have got gotten a lot from episodes that your dad's done and conversations he's had. And I just feel compelled to have a conversation to say thank you, but also just try and give something back because hopefully somebody can listen to me and think, oh, didn't know that. Or I could use that to help someone else out. But yeah, it's just me trying to give something back and show a bit of gratitude and pay homage, basically. Oh, okay. Um, That's cool, huh? That uh, people like Josias are out there in the world listening to you and I have these discussions with, with different Bitcoiners from all over the world. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it still amazes me that we can have these conversations and it affects people. And if mm. they start buying Bitcoin, that, that, that can change their lives. And that's the whole point mm. of the podcast. Do you have any more questions? Mm. Mm. 
No. Well, where, where do you think he lives? Where, where do you think? Just to let uh, you know, I, I haven't prepared for another question. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna ask you this question. Wait, am I? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so, uh, where do you like? <clears throat> like what? They. Like, I don't know how to say this. Um, what, what do you do for or yeah. where do you live or yeah like where do you live as in like countries and like oh right okay yeah. yeah i am i'm in the uk i'm from a, okay. a, a small town called oxford okay so another brick coiner mm-hmm. wait daddy it's... this is a weird question but daddy okay <laughs> yes um edit this out please but does nanny and granddad like both nanny and granddad like it went is like oxford like out like ah okay <clears throat> so oxford is um well south, let me get south, this right southeast <laughs> <laughs> or some people class it as midlands but yeah south and southeast is what we tend to say. in regards to london where, where would you put oh, where would you yeah. pin the pet tail on the donkey we're, we're north london did not know north <laughs> north london there you go so north of london so okay. where so where nanny and granddad are they're, they're further east okay so. if that helps you out in any yes. way yeah okay yes. edit this out on one of you if you don't okay no, no edits we'll do the marty bent edit yeah no edits i don't think anyone will mind and i don't think we've doxed anybody too much okay all right yeah okay yeah well okay. do you want to say good night thank you all right, Lauren, bye-bye. Bye, thank you, bye. Have a good podcast. We will. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Thanks I, I for... Um... I survived, I survived. <laughs> yeah, nothing nothing too taxing there. Not uh, not like... Uh, I think uh, Parker Lewis, has, has, he's, he's been the one most uh, shook up by Lauren or Caitlin's questions in the past. But uh, yeah, again, you know, thanks, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for reaching out. Um, we kind of been a full circle uh, because when you originally reached out, I think four or five people reached out like that same day for, for whatever reason, something must have been said on a particular episode and bam, 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 income, income, the DMS from people like you and yourself. Uh, someone who's already been on the show as well uh, saying, I got a story to tell and I want to give back and I want to represent the plebs. And you and I then um, decided, okay, let's let's try and set something up uh, four weeks later. Then we connected via Alvaro's group, uh, the Bitcoin Minds Studio group, uh, which has been uh, a great project to, to help him out with. And Alvaro was also a, a guest on the show a little while back. Uh, and here you are. And I've also appeared on your own podcast. So you, pr- you should probably shill your own podcast before, before we go <laughs> any further. Yeah, I'm trying to get to, to your standard, Daniel. I'm five episodes in. Um, I've titled it The Carbon Life Pods. Uh, basically, that started last August. Um, my cousin just said to me, I was doing having conversations on Zooms with, with people, and he said, why don't you do a podcast? So I thought, why not? Just do it. So um, I'm interviewing people that who I think would provide inspiration to young people. Um, it started off as me trying to get information from my son, who's school leaver age now, and just want him to see the wider world and showing people that don't necessarily go down the academic route um, that's 
mapped out for a lot of people. There, there are other avenues and you can still be successful. And yeah, it's just led on from there. We don't all need A stars in our GCSEs or SATs, whatever it is, to be able to f- survive and prosper in, in this wide world. Exactly. Yeah, love it. And I had a great fun. So thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me on. So let's, let's talk about, let's kick it into gear with the rabbit hole story. Let's, you know, what, what were you doing before Bitcoin and, and what led you to the, the opening in the ground? I had to un- unpick this. My son asked me the other day, he said, how did you get into Bitcoin? And so I thought I did a mind map and traced it back. And it's many, I think it's many years in the making. I think I was, I was always destined to be here. Um, but it just, I just took my time and like most people, it was often, I had the opportunity, but didn't quite see it, um, many years ago and subsequent years, but I say to myself, you wouldn't have, um, bought and held. So yeah, everyone gets in at the price they deserve and I have to accept that. But, um, basically I did a deep dive back in October. Um, but I was down a separate rabbit hole, um, kind of along parallel lines, uh to do with like inequality in the world um just the education system how things didn't quite add up um and then that led me in in, into bitcoin so yeah (laughs) it's it's been an interesting six months um i would say that i've consumed books podcasts uh 10x than what i normally would four to (laughs) four to four to six hours a day minimum um, every every spare minute, I'm listening or, or reading something, and so I, we had a conversation last night in the Bitcoin Learner Group, and Matthew said, "Oh, I thought you'd been there much longer." <laughs> I said, no, "No, I may sound like it. There's still a lot to learn. I know when I've only just scratched the surface, but um, I'm in a place where I'm re- really happy, and the stuff I'm learning about Austrian economics, libertarianism, I would never have chosen to do that unless I was in the space and found it this way." In my so own ju- time as well. <laughs> just six months ago, this is where you've really started. That's that's crazy, and that's the power of the amount of content that is out there at the moment for people to consume. Because if you if you wind this back five or six years, it was tough. It was there was some of it going on, and there were some really stand up kind of uh, people in the community, and uh, you know Trace Mayer and uh, Andreas two very influential people back then um but you were you, you were you weren't sport for choice and what we saw in 2020 when new people started coming to the space and the explosion of further content because people came in like alvaro for example he comes in to the space and within two months he's already like knocking on my door saying how do I give back? We've got to start up this, this learning group. We can do weekly Zoom calls and perhaps uh, you can come in and you can help me uh, like uh, attract people to it. And we can do special guest appearances. We had John Vallis in one week and we'll, we'll hopefully have more. <laughs> uh, and it's just been a really cool thing to, to watch. And yeah, like a comment like that from one of the other group members to say, wow, I thought you'd been doing this way longer, but we're actually learning together at the same rate and been around it for six months. The noobs are going to drive so much for the, you know, approaching, going through this bull run. And if we have another downturn, 
on our march towards the next halving. I have pure faith in class of 2020 and class of 21 coming in and holding fast and putting out content and doing what they need to do to help educate the uh, the next wave. It's it's just a, an amazing thing to see. Definitely. I think 2020, a lot of people have called, in, called it the, the year of the awakening. I think a lot of people had a lot of time on their hands. Um, you had captive audiences and it was an opportunity to see, to peel back the curtain and see uh, what, what's really going on. So how did you end up with, it, with the time on your hands? What, what was the lead up to that? <laughs> so um, I actually took voluntary redundancy last August. Yeah, around the same time. I, oh yeah, I released my first podcast around the same time. Um, so yeah, my uncle said to me, time is your greatest commodity. And yeah, so with that, with my the time I had in my hands, I was able to do the kids' education when we did homeschooling. I was able, when they were back in school, they were to take them to school. When my wife was working full time, and I was able to keep fit in the gyms when they were open, and then doing my own bits when they weren't. But in yeah, within that those time periods, it was just me consuming content and just yeah, as I said, going down different rabbit holes, which then led me led me to Bitcoin. So what did, um, growing up, uh, well, I, I kind of know this story already, but you were heavily involved in football and, uh, and almost become a professional player. So give us the, uh, give us the little backstory there. You're, you're what, I, I, what you call a, a nearly man. I nearly made it. <laughs> <laughs> so I left school and I did a three-year scholarship. Um, we were the first ones, but previously they used to have a two-year apprenticeship. When we came in, it went to three years. I think it's back down to two now. So we were quite privileged. But uh, in that extra year, I don't think I, I achieved a lot more. But I enjoyed my time there. I've learned, had a lot of great life experiences, made, met some great people, but it just wasn't, wasn't meant to be. Um, so after that, I continued playing uh, semi-professional or amateur. <laughs> there's, there's different levels of between. There's a big uh, breadth between semi-professional and professional. So I played around that up and down at that level for a few years. Um, but at the same time, got uh, did an apprenticeship as a trainee carpenter. I did that for another three years. Um, a football injury forced me to have to stop work. But the company I was with um, looked after me. They said, "Come into the office, do a bit of paper filing," which I which I did, obviously to to continue continue getting a wage. Um, and then when I was better, they said, "Actually, you've done a good job here. The, the paperwork of the jobs you were looking after. How about you?" run those jobs as a um, work informant. So we did that for a few years and just I just climbed the ladder blindly. So I became a site manager, project manager. <laughs> um, that's how I ended up for the last, I think, four or five years as a, as a project manager. Which, uh, again, I don't, I don't want to sound dismissive. I'm very thankful for the company. They, had, they looked after me. Um, they let me live, obviously, a great life, bring up my family. Um, but it, does, it wasn't for me. And it wasn't until I left, I realized all that time, my dream was obviously to be a footballer. And the first day out on, my, on the job, the chairman said to me, um, we love you, love what, what you're doing outside of football. It's good. This, the ethics and uh, philosophy that you have in football, you can bring into work. But you do know that's your hobby. This is your job now. And mm. I forgot about that. I told my mum at the time, and she reminded me when I, when I left, she said, do you remember that? And it took me back a lot. Yeah. So in, I think in the back of my mind, subconsciously, I thought, I won't be here forever. And 15 years later, I was still there. And I was like, I need to get out. <laughs> so COVID, as much as it's destroyed the world and, and the economy and everything, for me, it was, it was a godsend. It was a lifesaver because it allowed me to take an opportunity to yeah leave and 
embark on uh, my new my new lifestyle. That's a a classic story of like the the, the boiling frog and, and slowly painting yourself into a corner of the sunk cost fallacy of the corporate career and climbing the ladder and there's always that little carrot dangling above you for i mean in in classic corporate structure is you know the next promotion i get that means i get this name on my business card and you know i'll get this tiny little raise and but then i'll be maybe i'll be managing a small team or something and it's all just designed to keep you there and slowly grinding it out of you and none of us ever really end up doing exactly what we want to do when, when we've left that schooling situation. I mean, you, what, at what point did you realize truthfully that you knew you weren't going to make it as a professional football player? <laughs> I was on another um, interview for a sports channel in Oxford recently. And they asked me that. I said, I still think I can make it. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my son says to me, you can still do it. Dad. You can still do it. Um, probably. Uh, I'd say mid twenties, where obviously you see the young boys coming through, who mm-hmm. yeah, technically a lot better than the older generation. They they haven't quite made it, and you think, well, we know it's not always about talent, but if these boys aren't making it, what chance have I got? But then you see people around your age that get a second chance, so it's not it's not impossible, but the odds get less and less as you get older. So yeah, probably about mid twenties, I realised, yeah. <laughs> well, Ian Wright still made it from there, right? Yeah, so he, I think he was a bit younger, early 20s he was when he made it. But he, yeah, he was my idol growing up. I've got um, an actual football shirt that's framed with my name, but his number on the back, which my son's actually got now in his bedroom. <laughs> a little bit of homage to Ian Wright and Arsenal. Very cool, mate. Very cool. So what age were you picked up then? Because, and excuse me, US listeners, if we go down a bit of a football rabbit hole, but there's, there is something here to explore. Um and I, I'm not exactly sure how it works now, but from my understanding, scouts get sent out from these clubs to watch kids from a very young age. Yeah. What, now, what, what I think I think now they're looking at maybe four or five. I've heard of four year olds at but I say no I say really good. They have a little bit about them at four, but who knows what they'll be. But t- clubs are tapping them up now. I won't name names, but it's a four. A hedge, so it's a hedge. You've, he's good now. He may be good in a few years' time, but um, generally, you're probably looking at eight, nine. That's when I think they're really getting them in. But again, I think it depends on which which club. But I, my my story is a little bit different. I was at at a club from the age of ten to twelve, and I got released. I didn't actually get signed back for the same club in my final year at school. So yeah, even in the final year of school, I wasn't too sure what was going to happen, and then yeah, got signed up and earned a scholarship that year which again does happen. It's happening a lot now as well. And what club was that? Oxford United. Oxford, right. And what year are we talking? This was 99. No, sorry, that's wrong. Sorry, 2001. Sorry, apologies. Right, okay, cool. Yeah, right. yeah I, did, I did 01 to 04. So, I mean, the, the, the concern for me was, and maybe it isn't a concern at all, that if, you, if you're picking kids up at that young and age like seven eight nine or ten and building them up very early that there could be a colossal fall for these kids if they don't make it come the age of i mean you're gonna know pretty much if if you've been around 
until like 15, 16, 17 years of age. I mean, Rooney, I think, is still the youngest player to have made a debut at 16 or an X amount of months. I'm not exactly sure. As now just 15 and nearly 16 of the lower leagues, I think, in the last right. few years. Yeah. So, but like to break into the Premiership, you're, you're, you're normally looking around 18, 19, aren't you? So if you've stuck around for like six years or so and then all of a sudden, bam, released, you're like... <laughs> yeah, you what? see it. The, the, the non-league is littered with players that uh, have tremendous talent, you believe should be playing at a high level, but it's just there's not enough places in there. Or, again, players come from all over the world to fit into a league that can only um, look after a certain amount of players. And how much politics is going on in there as well at the same time? Or is it... Purely I, a meritocracy. I believe there's a, there's a lot. Obviously, you only get to see what they allow you to see. But behind closed doors, there's probably a lot of um, insider dealings, so I say, going on. Um, you do hear revelations every now and then. I think there was one recently with a player. He, um, I forget his name, but he mentioned that he would have played, carried on playing for the team that he loved, but the manager wanted him to sign with a different football agent. Um, he chose not to and didn't play for that club again. So... Yeah, seeing things like that do go on, but you hope that it gets less and less. As, and what as, about as time goes on? What about like the marketing side of it? If they see a particular kid could be marketable, is he is he going to be more likely to to make the team as well, just for you know looks possibly, or physique or possibly quite possibly you have players um, at my son's age now who have sponsorship. Um, no. Have I, I don't think you allowed agents yet, but. Or when he was a little bit younger, you couldn't have agents, but you can have representatives or people that look after your interests. So, yeah, things are going on in the in the background while these kids are just trying to play football and enjoy it, whilst dealing with school, education, social life. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on for them. I think now, especially because of technology, the internet, and gadgets, it's a lot. There's a lot. They've got a lot on their plate. And I, I remember having a conversation with Lucky Mukasana about this, about how interacting with Bitcoin and becoming a Bitcoiner had, had changed his game and his thinking and some of his teammates' game as well. Do you ever think about that? It's like if you can get your son into Bitcoin, obviously you wanted to do it for all the right reasons, but how that might change his personality and his approach to life and his approach to uh, sport. And Def- Definitely, most definitely. Um, there are attributes to finding out about Bitcoin, holding Bitcoin, looking after Bitcoin, talking about Bitcoin that you can take into your daily life that will make it a lot better. Um, Ironically, my son does challenges, uh, fitness challenges that have the same sort of principles of um, delayed gratification, discipline, making sure things are done in a certain time time of the the day, making sure that certain things are done every day. So he's already that way disciplined. I've, I've introduced him into Bitcoin. My wife now understands that she's hodling some coins. Um, my daughter, she asked me the other day, can I have the app that makes the money go up? <laughs> so um, <laughs> we, we bought Shamari. I've just got the Sats Ledger. So we're going to start using that. She's been playing the Thunder game. So yeah, I'm, I'm on board in the whole family because I just, I believe in, in what, what it teaches. Um, I said on the Bitcoin learning group call yesterday, the people that were with the space, if it, Bitcoin goes to zero or if it doesn't work, I'd rather go down with this group of people than the other side. So, yeah, there's a, a line been drawn in the sand, I believe. And, yeah, pick your sides. <laughs> so how have you managed 
so far to try and get that across to your friends and family because this happens to a lot of us when we when we first see it and all the pieces fall into place you just want to yell from the mountaintops and this is why you're on podcast within six months of finding bitcoin <laughs> this is another one of those reasons how um, do you hold yourself back at, f- at first you don't well i didn't so it was links being sent at all hours of the day it was voice notes it was messages it was conversations and you do feel that it's going over people's head or people are looking at you like you're a bit obsessed you're a madman but you're obsessed because you're passionate about it so I've slowly learned to um, manage it manage my excitement uh, speak to certain people in a certain way which is what I love about the podcast because I can pick a certain podcast and say oh I'll share that with that person or I'll save that one for that person it's not one size fits all um, a great one was your one with Angela the boomer that, um, that orange pilled my uncle and my mum and they weren't listening to me, but I played them that one. All right, yeah, we get it. <laughs> Someone from their generation. <laughs> oh, mate, that's amazing to hear. Uh, so for anybody that's listening, that's uh, an episode with Angela, who is a boomer customer of, of CoinFloor in the UK. And she tells her story of how she found Bitcoin. And uh, it's, it is a great episode. I love it. It, it was brilliant. And you can't go and find her on Twitter because she's not on Twitter. She's a boomer. She doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. But uh, her, her story was great. And to, to hear that that's helped you orange peel some of your family is amazing. Yeah, which is why, again, why I wanted to come on because hopefully this conversation, conversation can help somebody else who's trying, who's struggling to onboard a, a family member or a friend. Uh, again, you're just trying to help someone. Just, you're just trying to show them the opportunity. Have a look. If you don't like it, you're not forced to do anything with it. But I think once you do have a look, you'll think, oh, actually, <laughs> I might need a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. Or, or for those people that are perhaps thinking about escaping their, their nine to five uh, fiat job, I mean, what, what kind of message do you have for those people that, find themselves in a position that you found yourself in because it's a lot of fear to to make that decision and we of course think if i walk away from this i'm i can't live i'm going to go bankrupt i'm not going to be able to feed the family i'm going to lose the house we're going to be living under a, a bridge that's how i felt when i when i quit my i think you have to obviously do what's right for you and your family um have belief in yourself um that you will that you can do what you want to achieve that you will survive as my mum always says that when there's a bill to pay you'll always pay it so <laughs> you'll find a way by by any means necessary so yeah have belief have a plan or even just a semi-plan but if you're not enjoying what you're doing don't don't leave it too long i'd left it way too long um i think around 2012 i knew i had to get out and uh, i'm disappointed it took me nine years or no eight years sorry <laughs> to finally do it and how's it been since it's been great <laughs> living, <laughs> li- living my best life <laughs> although obviously we're not allowed to go anywhere and do anything but it's just the the feeling and an example i actually i share with people i think it was the first week of that i off work i'd taken my daughter to school i walked her and i came home and i was walking to the shops i was power walking getting kind of hot the sun was out and I just stopped, looked up to the sky, took a deep breath. I thought, why are you rushing? And I took a deep breath. And it was like the moment of, yes, freedom. And I was like, if anyone looked at me, I'm driving down a the bypass. They would have thought, what's that guy doing? 
but it was just it was a very freeing moment that I can pinpoint and think, yeah, I've made the right decision. I know and that then, exact I know that exact feeling. And it's weird when it hits you and you just stop and you look around and you just watch the world rather than move in step with it or try and beat it. I, I still find it whenever I visit London, not this last year, but whenever I do go and visit London in a normal uh, circumstance, the exact same thing. I find myself walk running everywhere. I find, you know, I'm pissed off that I just missed the, the, the tube by that much and the doors have closed in front of me and oh god damn it i've got to wait another full two and a half minutes before the next one comes along it's it's a crazy like what gets us hit up into that nonsensical mindset the rat race but um i I, I I, i have to be mindful there's two things i have to be mindful of one is the people around me that aren't in my situation that still have to go to work that don't want to go to work that think you're, you're bragging or you're boasting but the other one which i've already just tricked onto is some people have actually got their calling some people enjoy their work so if i make a comment they're like no but i like what i do like, okay fair enough sorry no, no offense <laughs> but yeah everyone you have to find your calling i think it's called akaji 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 i read a book my cousin led it to me when i went to visit him in amsterdam last year i read it on the plane back and it was like yeah find your calling and, and you'll be happy is bitcoin your calling I believe it is. I, ve- I believe it is. That couple, it, I think it brings everything together. So um, without shilling too much, I'm doing a presentation for um, friends and family next week. And I've called it Orange is the New Black, a life's work. Because people will think, oh, you've been in it six months. What do you know? You've, you've, got, you've gone down a rabbit hole, but there's so much more to learn. But as I look at it, I think everything I've done in my life has led me to this point. Really? All right. Let's 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 hear a bit more about that. Come on, chill, baby. Let's go. <laughs> so, where can we start? I started off, as I said, as a footballer. Between being a footballer, I was a, a teaching assistant whilst trying to get a job as a carpenter, carpenter to then site agent or site manager, project manager. Um, about four years ago, I started network marketing in the health and wellness and fitness industry. So, I've been doing that um, for the last few years. When I left my company, I marketed, my, marketed myself as Coach Carbon because I wanted to bring all of those attributes together and also bring in life coaching. I know people might say, well, what have you done in your life? That's so great. Um, maybe not a lot, but I think I could inspire people. <laughs> I'd like to think I've done some things that will inspire people to, to make a change in their life. And when I found Bitcoin, it was like, came, well, came for number go up, stayed for the revolution. But it was the wealth aspect and I'd always been interested in money uh, stocks and shares knew there were certain things I didn't quite understand um, knew there was stuff that wasn't taught in school as I went down my own rabbit hole I realized there's a certain reason why that wasn't taught in school um, there were certain things that I'd listened to that I wanted to know more but couldn't I say I couldn't find out I probably chose not to make the time so when people say they haven't got the time someone told me once no it's not that you, ch- you make the time to make the time and I didn't make the time to learn about it, which for whatever reason, wrongly or rightly, I didn't. But I remember I listened to uh, Simon Evans. Do you know him, British comedian? No. So he had a Radio 4 show uh, called Simon Evans Goes To. And there was one episode called Simon Evans Goes To Market. And he explained about um, what money is, but in a comedic way. And he spoke about the stones. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of the stones that people used to trade, to transact 
um, thousands the, the of rye, years ago. The rye stones, right? Is it right? Yeah, rye stones on the island um, of Yab that, that, that Saif yeah, talks about. That, that's the one. Yeah. Stone? Right. Okay. Yeah. So here you discussed that, and then went on to different forms like salt, and so I understood the concept. I'm thinking, but okay, we have now cash and money. Where do we go from there? Because I understand, kind of understand, it's just a store of value. We're just exchanging. Um, medium of exchange that is the cash is easy but okay we want to acquire more kind of know about inflation and I love telling this inflation story when I was in school uh, Sprite uh, Snickers and a packet of Monster Munch cost me uh, 90p mm-hmm. as I went through I think my final year it was a pound why is that our oh, inflation uh, McDonald's Happy Meal when I was a kid £2.88 then it went up to £3 I think you probably lucky to get changed for a fiver now oh why is that inflation but nobody actually sits a child down and explains what inflation is you just you're just conditioned to believe oh prices go up but no one tells you and when you actually find out why you think that's not right that's <laughs> so from from finding out or realizing that there's something wrong with the system when i got into bitcoin and listened to your podcast and people like robert breedlove so yeah the what is money episodes with breedlove absolutely blew my mind and that's i think when I tried to shill him to everybody and then they was getting no response. So like, if anyone asked me a question, it was, watch this, watch these three episodes with Robert Breedlove. Then watch the nine episodes with Michael Saylor. <laughs> and I don't, I don't believe anyone's ever done that from, from my recommendation. But you need to, you need to, because that would just blow your mind. It's, it's so true. It's, it's a great series and you learn so much about history. Yeah. And sorry to venture out. If I get too excitable, let me know. My wife tells me off on Zoom calls. <laughs> I'm never going to stop you ranting. Let's go. I I knew about slave beads from my uncle. He went mm-hmm. to, I think, Namibia once, came back with some slave, some beads on a necklace. What are they? Or oh, they were called slave beads. Okay. Well, maybe slaves wore beads. When Michael's, not Michael Saylor, when Robert Breedlove explained what slave beads were, they were for trading. And the Europeans came and inflated that, which meant they can get more land and it led to slavery. Like, Oh my goodness! Again, one we're not taught that in school. Mm-hmm. We're not taught about we're not talk about that history. You're not talking talking about inflation. That would honestly solve so many things. But it would, uh, people would understand what they're what world they're entering into. But yeah, and then so that happened with the stones as well. I think somebody came. I'm not sure if it was European, but from the the Western yeah. world or whatever, um, came and inflated the stones because mm-hmm. they understand that. They thought it was scarce. The Africans thought this, the beads were scarce. No, they were just glass beads that the Europeans mass-produced and shipped over. And by, that, by, the, time, piece, by, the, by the time he realised, it's too late. That piece from Robert Breedlove was was brilliant. Masters of slaves, uh, masters of slaves and money. Which, yeah, I, I, what, does your uncle still have the agri beads? I think that, he made it. Yeah, he, does, he doesn't wear them, but he's, I'm sure he still has them somewhere. That'd be a great. I mean, if, if you've not peeled him already, maybe he's already peeled, but I'm sure you've used that as an example. Yeah, he, he's, he's orange peeled. He actually, I don't think he'd mind me saying. He messaged today. He said Bitcoin's um, dipped a little bit. Time to buy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but he was, having, he was having issues with Binance or verification. And I was like, okay, send it to me, I'll do it. And he was like, but yeah, but I want to buy throughout the day. <laughs> I want to keep my throughout the day. <laughs> I think you might have to sort it in the end. He hasn't told me he hasn't. So. <laughs> Dollar cost averaging by the hour. What a beast. Or sterling cost averaging, I should say, being in the UK. So, and I don't know if 
whether you want to go down this path, but we did speak uh, last week about the, the passion project that you are trying to put together your two passions in life, you know, football and Bitcoin. What's, what's going through your mind? So, yes, it's a work in progress, but I believe, well, I'll tell you how, what it was. At Christmas time, Try and orange pull the family. I gave everyone a check, um, made up check with my picture on um, twenty pound worth of satoshis. So when you're ready, we'll sit down. I'll explain what it is and I'll transfer it. Set you set you up with an account. Um, but half the family, after a bit of a nudging, uh, got on board. I'm still waiting for the, the other half, but obviously now they'd be up um, if not two, two, three times their money. But hey ho. Um, so I'm thinking, how can I onboard people or just give them a, an incentive so it was two podcasts or interviews i listened to one was jack thunder the thunder games so rewarding mm-hmm. through through games which i absolutely loved and then also john vallis um when we had him in the bitcoin learning group mm-hmm. uh, we had to d- introduce ourselves i told him what i did um i'm trying to provide value back in the space i'm looking at bitcoin jobs on twitter and then he made one comment he said well why don't you provide um value in your community and so that coupled with what jackson i think i've got it i've got it so how can we incentivize people to or reward people um with say satoshis by engaging in activities and um guided discovery learning so i'm working on something at the moment uh, where i aim to reward people for completing tasks winning challenges with satoshis um there are certain apps that are coming out now i'm using bottle pay at the moment where you can um, send transactions over the Lightning Network. Um, so I th- I'm hoping that will be uh, really great in my community and show people what I'm inspired about and hopefully save them for, for a dark future that may be coming, but also provide them with opportunity in the future. Again, mate, I know you're here representing the plebs and representing class of 2020, but this this is such music to my ears and anybody else that's been in Bitcoin a little bit longer, maybe from, excuse me, pre-2017, because this just didn't happen back then. Like, it wasn't that quick. The light did not go off that quickly. There was still a lot of fear. Like, what the hell am I doing? Like, (laughs) Do you think, obviously, the media has a lot to do with that, and I do have my gripes with them a lot. Um, But do you think it's now that... Fact that read not uh, not retail um, institutions are getting involved. That's helping it. That definitely helps. Yeah, for sure. It definitely helps that big names are coming in, like Sailor and now Tesla, um, and banks are talking about offering services. You know, NYDIG doing just a amazing work in in the US for getting huge institutions on and big players. I know he's fallen a little bit sour within the community now, but a year ago when Raul started beating the drum about Bitcoin on Real Vision, that helped a great deal. A lot of big hedge fund managers and wealth managers, they watched those episodes. And when they were doing the pure Bitcoin ones, that would have got a lot of people's minds working. And it's a shame that it's gone a little bit too far to the altcoiny crypto side of things now um but definitely played a part to raise awareness uh the the level of as we've already talked about the level of content um and you touched on it right covid 
COVID as as uh, as shockingly ridiculous of a situation it's turned out to be, and I, I think there's going to be a lot of revelations come out over the next six to nine months of what's truly been going on, and there's going to be some very angry people yep. when, when the, the the truth is lifted on a lot of you know like whew, there's going to be some backlash but it's given a lot of people the time and it's to excuse the pun it's been the shot in the arm that people needed to look into something else to look into the system to question the, the classic meme that hit very early on in COVID when they first did the round of printing, you know, wait, if you can just print money, why do I pay you taxes? I mean, why, why is there debt? Who's the debt to? <laughs> but sorry, going back to that, I always thought that as a kid when they used to talk about world debt and how uh, some certain kind of third world countries owe this country money. I think, yeah, but you could just say, write it off. I don't, I don't need that money back to let them develop, but never quite understood the, the details and how the cogs and machines work. But again, as you say, if you could just print more money, why are we paying tax? Why are we working? <laughs> and everybody being trapped at home and realizing, okay, I can work remotely, even though you've told me for the last three or four years that that no way in the world am, am I allowed to work remotely. And, you know, that there's... Sailors brought this up before. He used to fire. I mean, he said it. He used to fire people that you know tried to insist on working remotely for his companies because he he never thought that would ever work. Mm. And you know, he's openly said, "Wow, boy, was I wrong?" Now look what we've got. What does he call it? You know, you have the ability to spend uh, to to bend space and time. What are you going to do with that? Uh, so you can work remotely. You you do have more time to spend with your your family and i know that's not gone the right way for some families but for many it's been this revelation like what it's like you know right i gotta question everything now i can't just question this one area of my life am i happy in my job do i want to spend more time with my family do i even need to live in this city or this suburb what the fuck is Bitcoin? <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> it's magic internet money, isn't it? I think that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> over that, over that, a rat poison squared. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's How that's m- what that's what annoys me. So that's out there, mainstream media pushing <clears throat> that. And I say to friends and family, okay, I see myself as a rational, logical person. I I think I understand it. There are people that are smarter than me with a lot more money that have invested in this. So. If they're doing it, who am I to say it's wrong? Who are you to say, I don't know what they're talking about. But I have three possible scenarios, I think. I hope this makes sense with people that are pushing FUD. Either they don't know and they're ignorant. Um, they, they, they do know and they're just being very sinister. And I had a third one, but I can't remember what it was. But yeah, they're polarized. Either, either they know and they're being very sinister with what they're doing for whatever reason, or they don't know, and they're, and they're being they're being ignorant because they haven't bothered to do any any research. Because yeah. they're, they're 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 denying a lot of people, and even I've had to dispel fud to my mom when something happened on the, on the Daily Mail on Twitter. I think, and I was like, "You're you don't even know. <laughs> you haven't even looked into it. You're just thrown it out there. Just people are going to latch onto that." So I've had a 
couple of conversations when I first got into it. One uncle said, nobody's using it. So he, he's a boomer generation, but a friend of mine already told me that he knows people that are buying cars with it mm. so in whatever way they're doing it. And another uncle said, oh yeah, but it's just for criminals. Like, well, I'm not a criminal and I know plenty of other people. Institutions, people that are in the institutions aren't criminals, they're using it. So where have you heard that from? I know a lot of it, some of it is, is Chinese whispers and hearsay, but a lot of it is coming from mainstream media. And then when you look at like the GameStop incident and I look at other things in the past that's happened, you think, yeah, you, this is news is being manipulated to help a certain sector. And lockdown, people have seen that a lot more. I said the year of the awakening. And I think a lot of people have just had enough. And there's, yeah, I think just to build on, on your points, I think there is another point where, the, the again, the sunk cost fallacy of people, you know, Rubini is a classic example, or uh, and Krugman, these mainstream economists that are blue check marks on Twitter and they throw their weight around. They've got hundreds of thousands of followers and they just turn around and say, oh yeah, they're classic. It's got no intrinsic value. This is just, you know, geek money and whatever else. You know, they've not even looked into it, not once. And if they did, they read the FUD articles and backed up their own bias and still come out and just shout it down. Because if they did look at it and if they did get it, and if they then turned around and said, hmm, everything I've done for the last 30 or 40 years has been complete bullshit. Yeah, I think that's, that's a tough pill to swallow. I've and had I... the wall pulled over my eyes for 30 or 40 years, and now I've just got to go and slay all of everything I ever learned. My old professors, every, my peers, my colleagues, like all gone. Slay your heroes in Bitcoin. I do have to question sometimes, and people have asked me, but you're just in, like, in a new own echo chamber. Have you ever thought about listening to the other side? And I was like, yeah, I do. But someone dispels it, and you learn and understand <clears> that. And I saw a great tweet. I think you retweeted it the other day, and it said, um, people say I'm in, I'm in an echo chamber, but the Bitcoin, at least in the Bitcoin echo chamber, it makes sense. <laughs> well, the, 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 yes. echoes, the, the echoes make sense, sorry. <laughs> That's right. Yes, exactly. They do. Because you, you, and here's the, sh here's the way to shut this down. It's like, yeah, maybe I am. You know, are you, are you not stuck in a, an echo chamber? Make sure you listen to the other side. I mean, listen to the other side. I fucking lived it for 40 years. I've listened to it. It was shit. It didn't work out. I was overweight. I was stressed. I wasn't seeing enough of my family. I had four kids I barely saw. That wasn't great. And if this echo chamber, yeah, if, if I'm shouting shit out and the right answers come back or set me straight on something I'm slightly askew on and make me, you know, challenge my thinking in a critical way, what a place to be. <laughs> I don't want to go back to, you know, I, I've listened to the other side and I still have to listen to it. When you speak to, uh, yeah, I mean. That's a great point you made about, about challenging yourself. Bitcoin does make you ask questions about your mm. present your present self, your future self. I think most importantly, your, your past self. I look back daily of things I've done and things I've said and life, life, lifestyle I've led at points, I think. Sugar, <laughs> missed an opportunity there. So <laughs> When you... When you when you understand opportunity cost, that that is 
that is a tough one. If you were taught opportunity cost way back when, when you were going through your schooling years, think of the decisions you wouldn't have made. And, you know, it's, I, it's hard. I spent the last year or so trying to extricate myself from like legacy investment plans that I, I was putting in place. I started working young when I was 19. And from that point, you know, I was a saver. This is why Bitcoin drags you in. It drags you in for certain traits of your character. Saving was, was mine. So I saw a store of value and number go up and yeah, okay, that sounds great. I want that. Uh, but, you know, as far back as 21, even 19, 21, 24, 27, when I was getting some extra cash, I was putting it away and I was consulting with financial advisors and I was doing the, what I thought was right. I thought I was doing everything right with big, reputable companies, huge companies. And you get to the age of 44, 45, and you start trying to access some of this cash that you would put away. Do you think you can get it? Oh man, I'm going it's... through that process at the moment. It's it's not, and it's even not. It's not large sums of money, but I thought I'd take that out and mm-hmm. I stick it. I stick it in. I buy some sets with it. It's been over a week now, and there's been a bit of stuff with bureaucracy with certain papers. They say I've got. I think they've got. And I, I just want my money back. Just give me my money. And mm-hmm. it's got to a stage now with fees that's going back and forth. I'll end up losing money. But I'm thinking, okay, I'll take the hit because it's going elsewhere where I believe it will earn more value. But just give it to me. <laughs> and it's it's posted. It's lettered. I'm thinking they want me to send me a letter that I then post back to someone else in a different department in the same building. I was like, can't you just take it to them? No, we can't do that, sir. And I, I tweeted. I said, the, the legacy financial system is done because they haven't got a clue. <laughs> We live, we live in a technological age and the way they're dealing with stuff is just so archaic. And Mate, the, the people in the industry, not, it's not necessarily their fault because it's a system within, but as a whole, you're all, you're all part of it. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. <laughs> the snail mail just uh, amazes me. And there's a reason they all insist on it. It's because it's just to slow everything down. And to actually, they want to you know, annoy you to the point of just giving up and just waiting for the maturation because that's what they want because they can just keep taking fees each year. Each year the fees go up. Admin fees. Admin fees. 260 quid a year. What admin are you doing? (laughs) I don't understand. And so for anybody in that age group now, like 20 to 25, if if you if you're saving money, please don't get tricked into into making these mistakes, because it's it's tough to face. And I look back at my 25 year old self, and you know I can't be too harsh on on myself back then. That you were doing everything right. What else? What else was there? There was no other. There was no other savings vehicle around, unless you did put it in something speculative, which again you're risk. right. But uh, you know that that was very yeah risky. Yeah, sure. It's easy to look back and say, oh, you should have been buying Apple shares and Yahoo and whatever else, Princey. What the fuck are we thinking? But, you know, when you're planning for a family and you're, you're doing that, that projected and you want to retire before 70, it makes me so bullish for the future that we've got 20 to 30-year-olds now that can just stack. Yeah. And they could be financially free, really, truly financially free in five to 10 years. It's yeah. mad. 
And that explosion of creativity that's going to come to our space. I don't think people, I think people underestimate what you can achieve with your time freedom. So if you're financially free, you're not worried about obviously your nine to five and even stuff that I'm doing now, I see myself as a creative person, wanted to be a graphic design architect when I was younger, we didn't quite go down that route. But even now, little bits I'm doing, I think I wouldn't have had the time Oh, sorry, I wouldn't have made the time because of energy and effort because I would have been concentrating on jobs on site. And when I'm sleeping and waking up in the middle of the night and thinking, oh, I haven't done that bit of paperwork or I haven't spoken to that person. It takes you away from stuff that you want to do because you enjoy it. And then you can, yeah, you can flourish and be as creative as you want. So, yeah, yeah young people, <laughs> I'm not saying give up your job straight away and don't do education, but try and follow. Well, this is the way, but yeah, find a way where you can explore your creative side yeah for sure and anyone that's uh you know between like you know 40 to 50 and might have that little cushion there's like you said you know if you if you hold your feet to the fire anything's possible you you do adapt and you adapt very very quickly and you find a way um it's it's not just a case of just grind it out and hope for the best because that's living somebody else's life and if Bitcoin has taught us anything, it's to, to become more self-sovereign and, and take more control. Definitely. I'm reminded of um, a quote, uh, one of the, a floor layer we used to work with. I had an apprentice at the time. I was still young and had my own apprentice because I was a mature carpenter. I was sorry, mature trainee. And with my, my apprentice's first day, a floor layer came in and said, uh, how old are you, son? He said, uh, 16. He said, you know what? The best thing you can do right now. He said, what's that? He said, pack your bag and get the fuck out of here. Sorry for <laughs> Yeah, just get out of here. <laughs> so the builder's train is going to pop. <laughs> and we're all there laughing. He's, this guy's nearly retired. I'm thinking, I've got another 20 to 30 years in this industry. <laughs> <laughs> has he bought Bitcoin, though? He actually has. What, my, my apprentice? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I caught up with him recently. Um, he's been, I think he's been watching my stories and posts, and he, we had a conversation about, about crypto, and I was, he did tell me that he's got some coins or some sats, so... Fair play to him. Excellent, mate. That's that's great to hear. Well, before I ask you the orange pill question, which I'm sure you've prepared for. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I have. I have yeah. <laughs> maybe um, maybe just want to give a, a little rally cry to, to any of the plebs that are, are listening out there because, you know, like you say, you're just an ordinary guy that fell down the Bitcoin rabbit hole just six months ago. Sorry, repeat that. Was it your? You want me to say something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. apologies. I, I, apologies. There was, no, a bit think... of a, there was a bit of a frozen screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, guys, if you've if you've got something from these podcasts or the Bitcoin ecosystem, don't think that your story is uh, boring. It, you, you all have your own unique story, and you might say something that pricks someone's ear uh, that they can pass on to a family member or friend that possibly save that change their life. And this is. This is a massive fanboy, fanboy moment for, for me, Daniel, because I mean this uh, wholeheartedly. What I've listened to on your podcast has changed my life because it's made me think differently. Um, there are so many episodes I'm trying to think who I've got down now. Um, Angela was one of them. Jack Thunder, definitely. John Vallis, the one like, yeah. So we had John Vallis in Bitcoin Learning Group call and I've just listened to your latest episode. And yeah, so bullish after that one. 
the Michael Saylor was the first one I listened to on yours. And I had no idea who Michael Saylor was at the time. Um, I'm sure he'll go down in Bitcoin history. But when he mentioned about the, the melting ice cubes and his gold in Argentina, his gold in, in America, and the value and everything, and the cash he had um, and the inflation that's going on, that made me obviously think differently. So, yeah, thank you very much for, for doing what you do. And so yeah, if anyone else feels the way I do, jump on board, get in touch with Daniel. Um, and just yeah, tell your story. Cool, man. I appreciate it. Very, very kind words. And it's, it's great to connect with, with anyone that, uh, that listens to the show. So come on in. Let's have it. You got one orange pill left to give. Orange pill. I was, so when I first started listening to you, I was like, yeah, there's certain members of my family that I can orange pill, but I've tried to do it my own way. Then um, I wanted two, but I don't need two anymore. Uh, I saw a tweet the other day that said, if you had uh, orange pill, you could give to a comedian who would it be and i had one in mind um i added her in a tweet no response and i added someone else dane baptiste and he responded saying i have bitcoin so i'm quite happy with that. I thought that's a win so the other person is um female comedian called louisa amelia have you heard of her no she's she's amazing so again fanboy i've been following her for a few years um she's done shows um am i right bitches uh, what would we want to do and the one, I think she got one, God as a Woman, her latest one. But the one previous to that was Politics for Bitches. Again, this is, this is me before Bitcoin. But what I took away from that was accessibility and representation. We won't make a change because we don't have access to people in power. And it's hard for minorities and women to get to those places. Um, and then representation. If you can't get there, you're not represented when decisions are being made. So um, she came to Oxford for a show. Um, and I took my wife watched the show absolutely loved it spoke to her afterwards as you do on Instagram like a few tweets um, sorry I need to go like post tweets like I don't want to come across as like two fanboys she might get a bit weirded out but I'm going to I'm going to um, dive in it deep and I'm going to ask her to come on my podcast because I would love to interview her and I would love to put it to her about Bitcoin because everything she talks about as we say Bitcoin fixes this and I believe that she could as comedians have done in the past, spoken about politics and gave given people information that they won't necessarily get from the news. I believe if she sees the opportunity, knows what it's about, I believe she'll 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 be able to preach to people. So that that Louisa Amelia, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm going to share this with you when it comes out. I'm going to ask you to come on my podcast. But yeah, you can help a lot of people, and I believe it's your calling and my calling. So I'm coming for you. <laughs> Mate, that's amazing. Louisa Amelia, yeah? I'll, I'll find... Milan. Oh, Milan? Sorry, I'm, I'm just rubbishing her name. I'm getting it wrong. But um, well, I'll put it in the show notes. Wait, wait, yeah, she put it in the show notes. Um, when you look on Google, you'll find it. But she's so hilarious as well. That's the other side. She's so funny. <laughs> Excellent, mate. All right, well, Josias, this has been uh, great to hang out with you and, uh, and do this episode. I really appreciate you reaching out and coming on. Where can people come and find you on Twitter, mate? Um, Twitter at Josiah's Carbon, um, Instagram at Josiah's Carbon, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Carbon Life Pods. And um, from there, you'll find out what I'm doing next um, in the next few weeks. Excellent, mate. Thank you so much for representing the plebs. For having me. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, Josiah, for coming on the show. Does that make you... For those of you listening, does that give you a little bit bullish? Does that make you wonder how people from the class of 2020 
can fall so hard and fast and deep down the rabbit hole that this this is just like we discussed in the in in the episode it's i've never seen people come to this space and and just get it so quickly and that is of course due to the amount of brilliant content and written articles and books and youtube channels and podcasts and stuff that have been exploding in the space recently it's all making a huge difference so again if you're sitting out there and you're thinking about starting one of these podcasts or writing that article please go ahead and do it because you've got something to add there are so many people coming behind you that need your views and need your help and people like josiah are a testament to that so please don't uh, rest on your laurels we got to work at this thing this isn't just going to naturally happen it is going to need some work and uh, you will be rewarded in many ways if you if you step up and decide to add value to the space in some way if you want to actually work for one of these companies like i said at the start of the show go to at bitcoiner jobs on twitter i'm going to hopefully have them on the show soon to discuss the work that they're doing and um get further insight into that because this this space is going to explode and you can find yourself a position i am sure so before we sign off I just want to say thanks to all the plebs out there that are listening and supporting Josias and doing the work that uh, the plebs do. I really appreciate it. Make sure that you are stacking your sats. If you want to do that in the UK, you can use the Bitcoin-only exchange, coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten. If you're in the US, you can use swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. If you're across Europe, you can use relay, R-E-L-A-I, ch forward slash bitten fiat cost average out of fiat into satoshis take this slowly do it deliberately make sure you start learning about what to do how to do it do it in a comfortable manner and keep up your educational journey these companies have your back once you want to take control of those use a bitbox o2 bitcoin only wallet you can find that at shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten love all you guys for listening i look forward to seeing you on the twitters have a great morning afternoon or evening good night